Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 37 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Jojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. And normally you are with me through the magic of Skype, but today, yeah. today you are actually with me. Yeah, we are. We've just been hanging out all day. Our good buddy James came in for an overnight visit. He just left a little bit ago, and we are recording this real late in the day, which is a little bit strange, but whatever. We'll make it through. Which, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I had to take a little nappy nap before we did this, because I was just unreasonably tired for reasons <laughs> I did not comprehend. But I'm good. I'm good now. So let's let's chalk and chalk. Let's chalk. That's, that's, a, port, that's a new portmanteau. Just made that one up. That's... It's chatting. And talking together. I'm into it. I'm so, into it. Yeah, so let's uh, let's do a little chalk map, and then we'll watch some Trojan Sentai Jetman. All right, but Dave, first. First. Before we get into episode 37, Birth, Emperor Tranza. Uh, Why? Okay. Wait for it. You'll see. I'll all, see. All will make sense in time, Dave. Um, but before anything gets to make sense, uh, we have our award-winning, officially award-winning, opening officially. segment... Uh, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to know what today's first star is? Uh, yes! Okay, so this, uh, we are recording this Saturday, <laughs> May 21st. <coughs> now this means two things. Yeah. One, I need to pay my car insurance tomorrow. Exciting. That's not really a star. Exciting. That's just a thing I remembered when I looked at the calendar. <laughs> um, but the important thing for you and the listeners is that today it was announced that Shout Factory... Uh, is going to be releasing O-Ranger in November. Oh, right on! Now, O-Ranger, you might not know anything about. O-Ranger is the series that comes after Kaku Ranger. Okay. So we are watching Kaku Ranger starting in August. Right. I believe. I think that's that how the calendar sounds, works sounds, yeah, something like that. I don't remember exactly. So, but after that, uh, O-Ranger has already been announced. It'll be coming out in November. That is the show upon which uh, Power Ranger Zeo is based. I, I never saw Power Rangers Zeo. Neither did I. I had tapped out on Power Rangers before Zeo because I think that when I was a kid, I had a like a genuine misunderstanding of how the show was made. Mm-hmm. I don't think I didn't realize that Super Sentai existed. Yeah, I I don't think I did. I maybe after like a year of watching it knew that there was some sort of connection to some Japanese show. Somehow. Like, I didn't know exactly what it was, just that there was a connection. Right, but I didn't know what was happening, and so when I saw Tommy become the Red Ranger, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out! I'm out! I am done with this. Tommy is green or white or nothing. And I was so angry because there was a green Zeo Ranger... And it but was, it wasn't... And it wasn't Tommy. And I was so mad. I was like, no, Tommy, if there's a Green Ranger, he should go back to being green. And it, like, it messed with me so much that I just stopped watching just Power Rangers entirely. I could not deal with that. <laughs> but now, now we, I finally get a chance to see what was actually, actually going okay. on. I actually, I was watching it. I don't know why. I sometimes, okay, so I'll hop on YouTube... And it'll just say suggested for you. And I'll be like, wow, well done, YouTube. I do kind of want to watch that thing. Right. And one of them was just a collection of Sixth Ranger morphs. Ah. Okay. And it's a 10-minute video. And I kid you not, the first two and a half minutes of it are just Jason Jason David Frank. (laughs) Because that dude was six different rangers. He was like... The Dragon Ranger, and the White Tiger Ranger, and then he was like a Ninja Ranger, and then like a different thing. Uh, well, no, okay, he that was... That dude was just a bunch of different kinds of Rangers. He was the Green Ranger. Right. He was the White Tiger Ranger. Right. He was, um, Red Zeo Ranger. Right. He, I think he was very briefly the Red Turbo Ranger. Although he is not, I like, think that was one of them. He is not, like, the canonical Red Turbo Ranger. Okay. Like, he left shortly into Turbo, I think... 
and was replaced by somebody of, else. Okay. I have never seen Turbo Ranger, and neither the Morphin Grid nor Ranger Danger are that far into their watches, and so I'm a little hazy on what happens there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Tommy goes away for a long time, and he came back in... Um, uh, we one? came back in Forever Red. Uh, yeah, in Forever Red, uh, as Zio, Red yeah. Zio. Um, and then he came back in uh, Dino Thunder... And that is when he's, like, the adult mentor for the team. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, 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 And that's when it's revealed that he has spent his off time getting his PhD in paleontology. Yes, yes. I have, like, a real vague problem with Forever Red. Follow me on this. Okay. So, in the Super Sentai universe, the shows are all sort of disconnected, right? Right. Like, I don't think... Is there a version of Forever Red that exists in Super Sentai? Yes. Uh, basically, there are crossover shows... Okay. Starting, we haven't gotten to them yet. Like, okay. I think they start happening um, sometime after O-Ranger. I'm not exactly sure. But there start to be crossover, like, specials. Like, there's a movie where one team crosses over with the team from the previous year. Okay. Right? And then, there was uh, one of the seasons, uh, a fairly recent one, the 35th episode, or the 30, 35th anniversary series... Where they're all like super pirates from space. Nice. Um, Go Kaiser. And Go Kaiser, since it was the 35th anniversary, that whole season Year was like a thing. It was about like the legacy of the different heroes. Okay. And in the world of Go Kaiser, all of the other teams had previously existed and had like fought off some huge space battle and had given up their powers to do it. And so throughout that series, like, they are gathering the lost powers of the previous Rangers. So there's, like, an episode where they run into Ryu and, or Ryo, and, like, get the powers of the Die Rangers. Oh, that's awesome! Ryo, by the way, has finally managed to master... Tiki, he's got his dumplings now? The perfect dumpling. Yeah! Um, so my thing about Forever Red is this, is that in the episode Forever Red, it seems as though all of the Red Rangers are definitely part of the same continuity and the same world, which is very strange to me. Because, like, where did those dudes go? They just left. You know? Well, I mean, Jason went to a peace conference. Uh, although Jason does come back in Zeo. Because Jason was um, the Gold Ranger in Zeo. Okay. Uh, spoilers for Zeo, I Sorry, guess. Sorry, guys. Sorry. And then also, there is... Uh, I did start to notice some real motifs mm -hmm. as far as morphers go. There's a lot of cell phones. Oh, yeah. A lot of cell phones. Particularly flip phones. Yep. I don't know how they're doing it now that smartphones are a thing. Because it don't, it's not as dynamic. Well, <laughs> it's a lot I, know, of phones. I know that currently, if they're still doing Dino Charge, then there are things... I think that like they're basically Nerf guns. Okay. Uh, so that's fun. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, we're way deep we are, on this. See, this is what happens when we get in the same room, Dave. Because it's a lot <laughs> harder to keep us on track. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Super Sentai news. DVDs are coming out. Yes, O-Rangers coming Ren. out in November. Also... Uh, this is a Power Rangers thing, not a Sentai thing, but I imagine that our listeners... There's probably a fair amount there's, there's in the middle fair, of that Venn diagram. Yeah, fair overlap. Um, there was something that was uh, shown earlier this week. A lot of old Power Rangers actors have gotten together, yeah! and there's an Indiegogo campaign to fund a movie called The Order, and The Order is like The Expendables, if The Expendables had, like... Like, Austin St. John and Walter Jones instead of Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone. Like, it's a ton of old Power Rangers actors, a lot of Mighty Morphin era, a couple of Time Force, which I was excited to see. But there's no, it's not a Power Rangers it thing. It is not a Power Rangers thing. It is just these same actors. Yes. So, so if you like those dudes and have always wanted to see Walter Jones and uh, I have. Um, uh, Johnny Young Bosch together for the... You know, doing stuff. That's too many more from Black Rangers. You want to see that? There you go. Anyway, there's an Indiegogo. Check it out. It's called The Order. So, Dave, what is our second star of the week? So, our second star of the week, Matt, is the new Fallout 4 DLC. It just came out Thursday. And I actually, I was playing it earlier today. Mm -hmm. I told my wife, Beth, they said, hey, uh, this morning, I've got to play a couple hours of this 
DLC. And she said, oh, well, that sounds like a very tough obligation. I think she thought I was joking. And I said, no, I really, I have to play a couple hours of it so I can talk about it as a star. Uh, it's super, super good. Okay, real quickly, it's basically more of the same. You liked Fallout 4? Awesome. Here's a whole bunch more Fallout 4. Right. Which is great, because I did like Fallout 4, right. and I just wanted a whole bunch more Fallout 4. But, but they have done a couple of really cool things. Okay. So the first really cool thing is that uh, part of the game, and I'm sure you've encountered this now that you're playing Fallout 4, yes. is legendary monsters. And legendary yes. monsters drop special gear that has like cool modifiers that you can't get otherwise. So the new Far Harbor DLC has a whole bunch of new legendary modifiers. Oh, that's awesome. Which is really neat. There's like a fire damage one. There's a bunch more defensive ones. Like, oh, hey, did you get hit? You'll go invisible for 10 seconds. I like that. Which is rad. There's, uh, there's a couple of new weapons, which mm-hmm. is neat. There's a couple of new... So there's new weapons, there's new armor. There's a suit of, like, marine assault armor. I which like that. looks real slick. Like, really, really slick. I see, I haven't found any yet. I've been running around trying to do some stuff, and I'm trying to find this armor, and I can't find any yet. So there's a couple new suits of armor, there's new weapons, and the environment that they've set up is super, super cool. So here's what it is. Is that you have left sort of mainland Boston, which is where the core game of Fallout 4 takes place, and you have gone to a place called Far Harbor, and uh, my wife Beth tells me that there is a place called there is a place called Bar Harbor. So I'm assuming ah. that that is what was going on there. But Far Harbor is an island, and I don't know what's going on yet. But there is some sort of radioactive fog, and the fog is maybe semi sentient or something. Okay. Yup. And they have uh, fog collectors. Or condensers that, like, absorb the fog out of the air so you can have a space that's free from this fog. And so, but what's really cool about it... Dave, are we getting into some, like, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, like, miasma stuff? Yeah, it's kind of miasma-y! And what's really cool about it is that the Fallout games have always had a very distinct vibe. It's like blasted and destroyed and the whole landscape is kind of orange and there's nothing growing and all of this it's very right. bright and hot and that's kind of the thing which makes sense because you sure. know like the whole thing is nuclear fallout but for this it still definitely feels post-apocalyptic and it's still definitely like creepy weird radiation stuff but it's dark and damp and there's fog everywhere and you are sort of rolling through running into crazy fish monsters. It's just... <laughs> did you did, know I love crazy fish I monsters? I did, right! And they just, they did a lot of really cool stuff with uh, environmental stuff, and it mm-hmm. feels very different. Like, it just, it feels very different, and I feel like they did a great job creating a new zone that is definitely still Fallout, and it's even definitely still Fallout 4, but it is distinct from... The rest of the game. Well, it's awesome. And it started, it kind of makes me want to start to see Fallout games set in like way different environments. Uh huh. Like, I want to see a Fallout game set in like northern Canada or something where it's just snowy. Well, there right? was that uh, there was that DLC for Fallout Three, and I'll... it was awesome. Yeah, but that DLC was in like a VR world, and it was right. like, pre-apocalyptic. I want to see post-apocalyptic like Canada. You want mutant polar bears? I want mutant yetis. That's what I want, or like a <laughs> jungle or something. Like, get me down in Florida. Get me down in Florida, like in the swamps, like a jungly, swampy thing with like giant snakes. I don't know. I want. I want it. But, uh, yeah, so the Fallout 4 DLC, it's super rad, it's right super on. fun. Uh, I'm probably going to play more of it when we're, when we're done with this, assuming I can get Beth to do something else, because right now she's playing it while well, we're sure. doing this. <laughs> so what, Matt, is our uh, third Star of the Week? Third Star of the Week, Dave, is uh, it was our office's annual bowling afternoon this week on a Wednesday. 
The, okay, so you just Apparently, have a, after an annual bowling thing. Uh, That's right. Long-time listeners, well, you know, moderate-time listeners will know that I have only yeah. been working at this job for a couple of months now. Yeah, but it's a fun office, TM. Yeah, it is a hashtag fun office. Right. So, <laughs> like, this Wednesday, I show up and I'm like, oh, I mean, listen, I, it did not catch me off guard. They had told us ahead of time because they wanted to make sure that everybody had worn socks that day. Uh, but yeah, like we Solid all, call. you know, we, we took a couple of hours in the middle of the day, crucially, not at the end of the day, in the middle of the day. So like we go and we have like a pizza party lunch as though it is a, like a child's birthday party. Listen, bowling and pizza party, that is, uh, nobody, you're never going to go wrong with that. No, it's a good combo. You're never going to go wrong with that. I would do that today. But the weird thing about doing that that is that like, okay. If you go bowling in the middle of the day as part of a workouting, that means two things. One, you can't, like, have a beer while you bowl. Which is, like, half the point of bowling. Right. And I, as it turns out, not great at bowling if I haven't had a beer. Okay. <laughs> I'm not great at bowling if I have had a beer. But that first beer... But I, I just need the... Yeah. Just to, like, get into the groove. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and the other thing is that that means that it, like... Three o'clock, I had to get back in my car and drive back to the office, like, post-bowling and try to accomplish something for the rest of the afternoon. That is a weird call. Like, apparently, why would you... Apparently, that's how they've done it since, like, time immemorial. They just take, like, that middle part of the day. It's bizarre. But, I mean, it was nice. Dude, I always wonder if there's, like, some weird scheduling thing. Because we have a thing like this at school. So what, okay, so the seniors, uh-huh. they have to have all of their finals and grades and stuff in a week and a half to two weeks ahead of everybody else. Because graduation happens, like, before the end of the year, and you need to know, like, did you pass all of your classes right, right. and you graduate, right? And so all of the seniors' grades have to be in by this upcoming Friday, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, which is two weeks early. But... They're supposed to come to school for the whole week after. And so the principals are sending stuff out like, here's what you can do to keep your seniors engaged when they're in class. And I just feel like... I feel like that list, that should be a piece of paper with one word on it that says nothing. I just... This is what it feels like. It feels like there's like a real intense kayfabe going on. How, wait, I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure. No, that is it. It's kayfabe, okay. Yeah. It feels like there's like a real intense kayfabe going on, and everybody is just agreed to say, no, the seniors need to be... Because they need to like be in school for a certain number of days for it to like count or something. Right. And so <laughs> it's just this real intense like, yes, the seniors will be here, and of course they're not. Cause Dave, Dave, you, why would they? Dave, don't say that. You can't expose the business like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's this weird decision. Because, yeah, why would you do bowling midday and then go? Because I'm sure nobody's doing anything. Yeah. Like, you can't. You can't. Like, no human being is like, it's bowling is done. It is work, working now, time to the now. office. So, uh, but that sounds like, that sounds really cool and fun. That was nice. Anyway, Dave, so what is our fourth star of the week? <laughs> this is a really brief thing. So, like, uh, two weeks ago, Beth and I, uh, we wanted to get some Chinese, so we called this place that we had never gotten food from before, and we ordered, they had a, this giant menu where we're like, wow, this menu looks pretty extensive. This place is probably, this looks good. So we ordered the food, and it was killer. We actually ordered some today while you were over. Oh, was and, it that place? Yeah, it was that same place. Yeah, delicious. Yeah, they're really good. And so every Tuesday night, Beth and I go and have dinner with two other couples, and uh, both couples, the wives, are Chinese. And one of them is, like, Chinese-American, and one of them is from Hong Kong, right? Right. And so we say, hey, Rose, who's one of them, we say, we found this great new Chinese restaurant, but it's, like, a little bit away from where we all live, because we all live pretty close to each other. Gotcha. And so it's, like, a little bit away, but I couldn't remember the name of it. And so he said, oh, well, like, I'll look it up when we get home, and I will tell you the name of this restaurant. I'm sure you'll love it. And she was like, oh... Cool. Thank you so much. And so the next day or something, we actually had someone visiting us and we're like, let's go to this Chinese restaurant. So we go to the Chinese restaurant. We're sitting down. It's called Wonton Gourmet, if you're in Cleveland. And in walks Rose with her dad. (laughs) And we're like, Rose. 
Rose, how's it going? She said, how are you guys? We're like, this is actually the restaurant that we were going to tell you about. And she says, oh, this place? Yeah, we've been eating here for years. We love it here. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I feel silly. Because, right. like, oh, you know, listen, of course you know about it. Like, it's a great Hong Kong-style Chinese restaurant. Like, your dad is from Hong Kong. Of course you know about the place, right? right. Follow-up question. Why have you not been telling me about this restaurant? Well, it gets better because the next Tuesday, we're all together for dinner. And I, and I told the first part of this story. Like, I just told it to you. And Zella, who is the other Chinese lady, she said, oh, wonton gourmet? Yeah, that place is great. I was like, Roy, why are you holding out on me? This is the role of our friendship. Like, not the only role of our friendship, but like... We tell you're supposed to tell us about these restaurants. Like, come on, man. Right, like, I know where to send you to get good pierogies in town. Right, I can tell you. You go to Sokolowski. Yeah, you go to Sokolowski. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, naturally, that's where you go. It's like, come on, guys, help me out here. Uh, but it is super, super good. So that's really the whole story. Just my friends are holding out on me about great Chinese restaurants. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, Matt, is our fifth? And final star of the week. Fifth and final star of the week, Dave. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Captain America Civil War uh, in a sort of broad, non-spoilery discussion. It's been a couple of weeks. I figured that everyone who is interested in seeing it has probably seen yeah. it. So, But we put it at the end here, so in case you haven't seen it yet and you still wanted to, uh, skip ahead to the rest of the episode because we're going to spend a few minutes talking in a little bit more detail about the movie. So couple of things that I had wanted to talk about before and didn't talk about because it would have ruined the surprise. Giant Man. Giant Man. Giant Man is in this movie. They put in Giant Man. And I did. This is the best part. I did not see it coming. Because it was so fun. Like, okay, obviously I know that like Ant-Man, Giant Man is the same dude, right? Right. But in my head, you know, it's the movie version it's movie branding that Ant-Man is Ant-Man and that is who Ant-Man is. And they're not going to change that up. Right. You know what I mean? Because that would like mess with the whole thing. And then they're doing this big fight and Ant-Man says, I've got this idea. I'm going to try it. Here we go. And in my head, I was like, is he about to do Giant Man? And then he did. And it was incredible. First of all, just because it was, like, great to have Giant Man. Oh, sure. And second of all, because... Man, okay, I'm trying to figure out a great way to say this, but it was so unexpected. Like, I didn't think they were going to do the thing, because I was like, no, it's a, it's a movie, it would be cool if that thing were a thing, but there's no way it will be. Because it's a movie. And, like, I get it. Like, I'm not upset about that. It's just... It's the nature of the beast. Right, right. And then they were just like, no way. The nature of this beast is Giant Man. It was, okay, here's what I really like about it. And it this sort of speaks to something larger about the movie. Is that you've got this guy. Um, and, you know, he's been in his own movie where he gets really small and he talks to ants. And then he shows up in this movie and he's really small. And there's no actual ants in this movie. But... I don't think there were any ants, right? Really. Uh, they do not reference the ants, like, at all. Anyway. Oh, he says this would be a good time to have ants or something. Whatever. And then, like, you would expect that were they to, like, pull the trigger on doing a giant man thing, they would do it in the next Ant-Man movie. Right, and that would be a big part of but the Ant-Man movie. What was so great about this movie is that this movie, more so than maybe any of the other Marvel movies makes it feel as though there is just stuff going on in this world all the time. And you don't necessarily yes. see all of it. That's really well said. So he says like, oh yeah, I tried this thing in my lab once. And you're like, oh, I guess he's been busy doing, doing whatever. Stuff. Yeah. And he hasn't been in the other Captain America movies. So he's just this dude who shows up. And it's even doubly so with Spider-Man. Yes. When Iron Man goes to visit Spider-Man... And just, like, finds him in his apartment, and uh, they start chatting, and you get, like, YouTube videos of, right, like, what Spider-Man has been doing. It's just, like, yeah, this guy, like, he's not part of the rest of this other superhero thing, but he's around. He is doing stuff. There is right. a persistent world that exists. And, like, when you see him in costume, like, that costume, it kind of, like, 
conflicts with the other costumes in that movie because it doesn't have so much like the the visual vibe that they have established uh-huh. for the other costumes in these movies. But I love that because it's just like, yeah, like he does he doesn't have, like, the same fashion designer as these guys. Although, technically, in this movie, he does. He does, but whatever. Um, like, he's just a dude who's around. Yes! Oh, and, man. Like, it was the, so good. The way that they managed to make the world feel like a living thing in this movie was so great. Yeah. I just... I continue to really be... It was actually down in my notes as Avengers at first, because mm-hmm. I was thinking of this. Yeah. It's, I know it's Captain America, but it really felt Avengers-y. The last thing I want to talk about is is pretty brief, actually, but I wanted to chat just for like a hot second about how amazing of a job they did with Captain America and Tony Stark on opposite sides of this conflict. Because I was thinking about it a little bit more, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing that I was having trouble with is that I was looking at this conflict and I was saying, dude, Tony slash Iron Man... All of the things that you're worried about in this movie mm-hmm. are a direct result of the sort of interference and legislation that you are now trying to implement. Like, if it was just Captain America doing Captain America's thing, none of those problems would exist, right? Because mm-hmm. all the things you're talking about, oh, shield helicarriers, well, that's not Captain America. Like, and none of the Avengers had anything to do with that. Right. Like, that was the result of a giant government bureaucracy, which you're now trying to put in charge of the Avengers. And, like, on and on and on. But the thing that I really... When I thought more about it, the thing that I really dug is that Tony Stark in this movie is, in a way, he's like a victim of his own intelligence. Yeah. Like, he can't see a way around himself being right. Like, it just, like, he doesn't have the ability to process that maybe somebody else is right and smarter about something than he is. And as a result of that, here comes this thing. Like, he can't, like, Tony Stark, he almost can't believe that Captain America is who Captain America says he is. Right. Well, because they've done a pretty good job in these movies of setting it up that, like, Iron Man is, in many ways... Like, driven by, like, a sense of responsibility related to his guilt for things that he has done. So, like, in the first movie, like, he's made all these weapons. Yes. And now he needs to deal with that. And then, like, even up through Avengers 2, you know, he made Ultron and then that became a problem. Right. And so he is kind of, like, trying to clean up his own messes and, like, you know, fix this sort of thing and respond in that way. Whereas Captain America is almost entirely driven by, like, you know, his pure-hearted idealism. Right. And so when Iron Man looks at Captain America, like... It he, just... doesn't, he doesn't have, like, a slot in his brain for right. that thing to exist. Exactly. So, anyways, man, it was just... I want to go see it again. It was such a good movie. But let's watch another really great thing. Yes. Uh, it is time to take a quick break... Watch episode 37, Birth of Emperor Tranza, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 37, Birth of Emperor Tranza. And Dave, why don't you give the listeners at home, or at work, or in their cars... Wherever they are. Wherever you may be in this wide... The many places that you can enjoy the Super Sentai Brothers. In the many places in this wide, beautiful world. Dave, why don't you give them a brief recap... Of what we got this week. So, so this week, we see, uh, as the episode title suggests, the birth of Emperor Tranza, which is what Tran is calling himself now that he is a grown-up. and Now he has, that he is a man-grown. Right, and he has acquired fabulous power, which he employs in just the pettiest way possible. Dudes, this is like Goma Commander level pettiness. It's so good. So let's 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 do this. So we start off, and we are still in Nagano Prefecture. And the Rangers are on vacation, still, and we get a great establishing shot of a bunch of cows in a pasture. And I am pretty certain that it is the same pasture that we saw last week. So I'm real curious as to where those cows came from. 
Because last week, there were zero cows. As you may recall, it yep. was an important moment in the episode. Yeah, so they are just, I get maybe that dude just bought more cows. He had enough money saved to restock his entire herd. So good for him. Cows for are him. cheap, right? No, cows are not cheap at all. So with the, uh, the rangers are, they're going to go golfing. That's the plan. They're going to go golfing, and we discover that Raita cannot golf. This He's a, like a big goofy dummy, and he doesn't know how to golf. This is a nice turnaround from uh, the previous episode where Raito was very good at fishing and Guy was terrible. Uh, in this one, they try to go golfing, and we find out that I guess golfing is a, a refined activity. And we have a short list of things that Raito knows. Uh, we haven't been updating it recently, so I don't remember what it is. It's but, uh, not long, though. It's yeah. not long, and it does not include golf. And it doesn't, and Guy is the one who says, like, come on, Raita, like, don't you know how to golf? I just don't, like, I know they had, I don't know why they picked golf. Because it doesn't seem like any of those characters would be good at golf, except, like, maybe Kauri. Like, it wouldn't make sense if Kauri was like, oh, yeah, like, I golf on the reg because I'm like a rich lady and that's what rich people do I guess it doesn't make any sense to me that Guy is super into golf I feel like golf golf as the sort of like activity of a guy who likes to sit around outside smoking cigars and like drinking a cocktail uh, yeah okay yeah that makes sense like that that makes is, sense. that's guy's like summertime activity during the winter he's playing a pool like he's playing <laughs> the pool in a smoky jazz club and during the summer he's out of the country club playing golf and so the girls the girls just want to hang they just want to chill out They're like this is so great i just wish we could be on vacation forever and akko says dude don't let ryu hear you let you hear that like he'll think you're going soft or something <laughs> Yeah, like he like he woke up super early this morning to go train. And then we're about to get a training montage, but we don't jump right to it because somebody drops in a line about being into egos. Like somebody just says, like, what about those egos though? And then that's it. And <laughs> it just my notes just say egos. It makes no like it doesn't relate to anything they're talking about, and then they never reference it again. Like there's just like a real quick plug for toaster waffles, assuming that that is how that translation is supposed to be. Okay, and, if that is the case, here's my theory: their script ended by talking about Ryu, and then it just had a note that says, "Keep talking for a second as the camera rolls, so we can like pan away." And like they forgot just to had cut nothing. Like just it was ego waffles. Right. Like they are terrible at improvising and they did not cut the microphones. Okay, so we do flip over, we see Ryu, and he has set up like an impromptu training ground with swingy logs, and he has a wooden sword that he is like a katana like a wooden practice katana. And he is jumping around and whacking at these logs with his sword. Now, when you say, like, swinging logs, he has gotten logs and, like, tied them with ropes, like, to hang from the trees. And so when he goes to attack them, he, like, leaps into the trees and is jumping from tree to tree, just ruining these logs and breaking them in half with his dull wooden sword. Yeah. So clearly, I think the point of this is to demonstrate that Ryu is a dude who is on his game. Like, he is really solid as far as, you know, sword play and all this other stuff goes. Ryu is no slouch. Right. So we look up, and I did not notice this last episode when Tran became adult Tran slash Tranza. But we look up. And, the, and it's the Tranza, and he's up in a tree, and he is looking down, and I think he's doing, like, the Maki slow clap. Yeah. For Ryu, like... Oh, and, and dude, his so outfit... So good, Ryu. Can we take a moment to talk about uh, Tranza's outfit in this I scene? I would like nothing better. Uh, he's wearing a black leather motorcycle jacket with a black and red yin-yang patch, like, on yep. the chest. He sure is. And so, but this is what I did not notice last episode, is that the dude who plays Tranza is Jin from Die Ranger. It's he, the same guy. It's the same actor, and it's amazing. It's It was hard to tell last episode because his hair looked different. Yeah. Well, he's a couple years younger in this episode. I feel like that dude aged a lot in between uh, Jetman and Die Ranger. Like, maybe that's just me, but... 
But anyways, it's totally the same guy. Actually, that guy, those are not the only two times he has been in Sentai shows. You mentioned this to me last year. Yeah, I think I mentioned this. He's kind of a he, he old at least, stalwart. He was also in... It was either like Live Man or Bio Man or well, something. One of the late 80s shows, he was one of the main bad guys. Okay. So he shows up and he's great. Yeah. And so he challenges for you to a fight. He basically, I forget exactly what he says. Well, basically what he says is like, hey, you look so strong, but you need to know that there are people stronger than you. And so he just attacks him. And destroys Ryu. It's great. So, like, Ryu is attacking him with this wooden sword. Because Ryu does not know that this is Tran. Or he Tran's just thinks, He just thinks it's some dude. Um, But, like, every time he goes to hit him with the sword, Tran's just, like, puts out one finger and blocks it. It's amazing. Yeah, my notes just say, Ryu, more like wreck you. Because he gets destroyed. Yes. And he eventually just runs away. I think Transit disappears. Oh, that's it. Like, right, right, right. Ryu gets kicked and knocked away, and when he stands up, Transit is gone. Okay. So we flip from there. We go back to the sort of country club area, and Guy is getting into a couple practice swings yeah. with that golf club, and some ladies show up, and they say, wow, no, dude, you're so good at this. Like, maybe you could show us how to golf. Like, they're laying down the flirt real heavy. Right. And so Guy... It's pretty obvious that he's not interested, but it's like he can't help himself. Right. Like, here are beautiful women who want my help to learn how to play golf, so of course I'm going to do the thing where I stand behind them and, like, help them grip the club. I'm just, yeah, just going to teach you how to do it so right. So right. Like, it's like he goes on the autopilot. <laughs> like, yeah. scumbag autopilot. Scumbag flirty autopilot. So Akko looks over, and she and Akko, and Akko and Raita and Kaori are all sort of, like, eating something. And Akko looks over, and she says, Kaori, like, look, guy is standing behind those ladies. And Kaori, like, I'm not sure how to gauge Kaori's reaction on this. Because she looks up, and at first she looks annoyed, but she doesn't do anything. So I'm not sure if she is quietly furious, or if she is saying, you know what, that's just guy... I'm secure in whatever's going on here. It's cool. Yeah, I couldn't tell which way that was going. So, anyways. like But, that's, but in any case, it doesn't last for long. Because, it doesn't last for long. Because Tronza shows up still in his black leather, like, awesome jacket. Yup. But then, he snaps his finger, and, like, an animated yellow, like, coil of light drops around him. And changes him <laughs> into... It's like a Don Johnson Miami Vice outfit, I think. It's like a yellow sport jacket with like a rolled up sleeve. Yeah, it is plaid. It is plaid. But then he does another like yellowy light thing, a la like Guy Gardner, and turn makes himself like a golf club. And so he rolls up, stands right next to Guy, and drops like a 2,000 yard drive down, like into the woods beyond the field. Right, like you see the ball fly away and it does not land it goes beyond the fields we know (laughs) and uh so he steals those honeys those ladies are like oh my gosh you're so good at golf so these golf honeys just go to follow tranza and as that is happening tranza walks by guy and he says it's super important that you know that there are people that are better than this better than you at this Right, like, and it just leaves. Like, there are people who women like more than you. That's what it was that women like more than you. And it's so, like, my, oh, and this is not the pettiest thing. Like, wait for it. It's coming. It's it's coming, and it's so delicious. But it's just, like, he's not even attacking them. Like, he attacked Ryu because, like, Ryu's pride is in his combat skills. That's his thing, right. But now he's like, nah, but I'm also suaver than Guy. Yeah. And so. The next thing that happens is we go over to Raita, and Raita is just getting down on some buckwheat noodles. He's got a plate of noodles, and he's just enjoying, he's had like two plates of noodles, and he's just enjoying a light, presumably for Raita, lunch. And so Tranza sits down next to him. Uh, Now first he does change his clothes again. Oh, that's right! He does! He changes into like, more of a rustic garb. That's right! I forgot about that. So he sits down next to Raita. Grabs the waitress and just says, I'll have what he's having. Like, bring me that same thing. Right, when Harry met Sally, that's what it did. Uh-huh. 
Uh, not quite exactly the same thing that happens there, but... It's the exact same line, and I don't see same... why you think it's different at all. <laughs> I maybe have misjudged Righteous relationship <laughs> with noodles. And I may be misremembering when Harry met Sally. So, uh, <laughs> um, so then we see, it's like a quick, it's like a stomp action shot, and Transa demolishes his plate of noodles in like four bites. And then he just calls for another one. And then this happens like four more times. He just keeps calling for more and more and more noodles. And Raita is watching him like, oh my gosh, like, what's going on? Who is this man? And so he starts calling for more noodles. And so we have discovered that Ryu's pride is in his combat fighting. Combat fighting? Yeah. Guy's pride is in his, like, suaveness with the ladies. And Raita's pride is how much food that dude can pack into his body. (laughs) And so, like, we cut, like, we get a time lapse. And Tranza is sitting there. And he has a stack of plates, like, ten high. Yeah, it's crazy. At least. And Raita is just struggling to finish his, like, fifth plate and at this and like he is so full he has been so overcome by the weight and power of these noodles <laughs> that he literally <laughs> collapses out of his chair with noodles like still hanging out of his mouth and Tranza leans over him and says it's important that you know that there are people who can eat more than you yeah and like he just pokes him away. in the stomach is like is that all you can put in that little belly yeah which like it's it's so gloriously petty. The, the, you can tell that Tranza isn't an adult body now, but is absolutely still like nine years old or however old he was supposed to be. Yeah, he's like, I am an adult now, and now I can win, and I'm going to beat you at all of these things. And like, you know he sat down that morning. Like, he has a list like, right. in his back pocket of all of this stuff that he's going to do. So he has, so he out-eats Raita, and then he just bugs out. We go from there to the Viram dimension, and Gray is playing some classical Spanish-style guitar. Uh, but his, like, super powerful robot fingers snap one of the strings. Right, and you can tell, again, he has no facial expressions because he's a robot, but you can tell from his body language that he is distraught about, like, the power and indelicacy of his robot body. Like, he wants... To be able to do this, but he can't. He wants to create art. He's a, right. he's a wonderful guy. And so I mean, other than being a horrible robo-monster. Yeah, um, so this real moment of pathos for this dimension-hopping, like, robo-genocidist. And so he looks over at the table, and he sees trans, like, bone flute that he had been playing yesterday. Yeah. And he's just like, man, this is really weird. Like, I do wonder where Tran is. Did he just leave? Like, is he just out after they defeated Ant Bazooka? That seems a little... That seems a little weird. And then Maria pipes in and says, oh, no, no. He must be so embarrassed by that that I wouldn't be surprised if he never came back. He must have given up on trying to kill the Jetman and be the leader. Like, he's out of the race and I don't blame him after that debacle. Which, again, Uh, like... That was just one of 35 failed plans. No better, no worse. Right, A little grosser. Definitely grosser. But, like, all of you have failed multiple times. None of you have come any closer than any one of the others. I really do not feel that your level of, like, hot superiority is justified. And so, they're kind of worried about... Like, they're... On one level, they're worried about Tran just because, like, they don't know what he's up to. Like, they feel like Radigan is. He's like, that dude is up to something. He's like, I don't... He's not gone. That's not what Tran is going to do. Like, he is doing a thing. I don't know what it is yet. Makes me a little bit nervous. So Radigan is sort of preparing... I don't know exactly what he's preparing, but he's, like, prepping out for this eventuality. So we cut back to the Jetman on vacation, and they're all sitting around and talking about, like, this guy who has been showing up all day. Yeah. Like, oh, like, that happened to you as well? That's so crazy that this one weird dude has been bugging us all morning. (laughs) What's up with this guy? Also, who is this dude? Because he is clearly no slouch. Right. So as they're sitting there, they get attacked. Explosion, explosion, explosion. It's Radigat. He arrives, says something about, I'm going to kill you. Sure, standard Radigat stuff. Right, standard Radigat stuff. And he is about to blast them with some super blast. Well, then, out of nowhere, uh, Tranza appears, 
Still in his leather jacket. Yep. He's, he's back to that classic look. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and as the super blast approaches them, he just sort of knocks it out of the air. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what the deal is. Because Tranza is crazy powerful. Was this an option the whole time? Like, could he have just been doing this for literally all 30 episodes? Or was there... Because Trans is crazy. He's just like, he's knocking energy blasts out of the I, air. Okay, here's my thought. Is that Tranza is, like, Tranza is just more powerful than Tran was. Because now he is an adult and has, like, fully come into his power. So previously, Tran had kept pace with the other three. Yeah. But he was, like, nine years old. Oh, sorry. What I was saying is, was it an option to turn into an adult the whole time? I, I don't know. Maybe he, had, maybe he hadn't gathered enough anger yet. Because as we know, anger makes him grow old faster. Apparently so. So he actually, Tranza does, this is crazy. So he calls out the other Viren Commanders. He's like, Maria, Gray, I know where, I know you guys are here or something. And then he shoots this energy bolt that crosses dimensions and just yanks them out of the Viren dimension against their will and deposits them on Earth Standing next to Radigate. And they very clearly were not expecting that to happen. Yeah, like they are very off balance by this. And they're just looking like, who is this like, dude? What is going on with this guy? And so he says something about like, don't you recognize me? It's me, Tranza. And they're like, Tran? He says, no, I'm Tranza now. Like, deal with it. Right, like as, like, as the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, like, so have I become Tranza. Yeah. And so he transforms into this outfit. And the outfit looks kind of cool, except they've given him this real stupid-looking anime, like, animated anime-style, like, swept-over hair thing. Like, the hair itself is molded out of plastic. It's astonishingly Yeah, he's wearing this giant, like, hair piece thing that... Were it drawn, it would still look kind of ridiculous. But on a human, it is so huge yeah, and improbable that it kind of takes you out of the moment. But the rest of the look is good. It's fine. And it's like, like a modified version of what he wore before. And listen, like this, like the actor, this dude, I love this guy. Yeah, he's great. I'm so glad he's on the show. And if all it takes is to give him like a stupid wig for a while, like I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, it. I'm down. It's totally fine. So they attack Tranza, the jet. Sorry, attack Trenza. Uh, they have zero luck. They try to blast him. Nothing doing. He actually yanks the telekinetically steals their blasters and shoots Raita and Guy with their own bird blasters, which I thought was a great touch. And once, like, he so he summons the bird blasters to his hands. He shoots them, and then he just tosses them away behind his back. Hey, who cares? I'm done with these now. So the Viram commanders get in on it, too. They're trying to attack Tranza. They also don't have any luck. So Ryu pulls his sword, he pulls his bringer sword, mm -hmm. he goes to attack Tranza, sword on sword, you can't do anything, because Tranza has like a crazy like foil thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it's kind of like a rapier deal. Yeah, and he pulls some special attack. What they actually did is they just put like a fractal lens on the camera, so you see like six Trans. I think what it's supposed to be is that he's like shadow gliding around and like you can't tell which one is Tran. And then he attacks Ryu and Ryu cannot defend himself against the power of this onslaught. Yes. So as this fight sort of comes to a close, like the Jetmen are like trying to help Ryu and Tranza and the Viram commanders just like go back to the Viram dimension. Yeah. So they're on the in the Viram dimension and... and Tranza just sits on that Viram throne. Like, the throne that has been empty since the Empress died, like, what, 15 episodes yeah, ago or like something? That. I forget how he many. He just walks over and, like, sits down, like, yep, I'm in charge now. <laughs> they try to give him some static about it. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, was this a problem? Blast, 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 blast! Right. Like, Radigate is like, no, 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 don't you remember? We have this thing going where, like, whoever kills the Jetman gets to be the leader, and you haven't done that yet. And Tranza just, like, stares him down and shoots him with lasers until he stops complaining. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, like, Tranza is a terrible monster also, but I just dislike Radigate so much. 
that it's kind of great to see him get blasted. It's so I really like this because in the these first like thirty five episodes, Radigat has really been put forth as like the presumptive leader right, of like, the group. He's the dude, and like there has been a competition to see who would be in charge. But Radigat is very definitely set forth as like the main guy, and so to completely shift that to be like, oh no 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 no, Radigat like compared to Tranza, like Radigat. Sucks. He's got nothing going on. And so now, like, now he's just, like, stuck in lackey mode and does not know how to deal with it. It's pretty amazing. So, we go back to Nagano Prefecture. They're all sort of, the Jetmen are sort of bandaging their wounds. And Ryu is considering, he says, how am I going to beat Tranza? How can I defeat this sword technique? This kind of fractal shadow glidey technique? I can't do it. I can't do it. I got nothing. And he thinks for a minute. He says, okay, Raita, follow me. I have an idea. And so he just grabs Raita and they leave. So we go to a waterfall and Ryu is standing underneath this waterfall. And Raita is standing above the waterfall. And you just see Ryu and he looks up and he says, Raita, do it. And so Raita goes over and he's got, he's put together like a stack of logs. And he just starts hucking them over the waterfall at Ryu. And so Ryu is at the bottom and he's not transformed into his jet hawk form, but he does have his bringer sword, which I think is fun. Yeah, that was cool. Um, And he's just like, like cutting these logs in half as they are falling on him. It is never explained how this, like, method of training is supposed to help him against, like, a very precise shadow gliding sword strike. Yeah, and so... (laughs) So he gets most of them, but the last log gets him. Like, it nails him in the chest or something, and he falls over. And the only thing he says is, if I can't evade these logs... Which it did not seem like that's what he was trying to do. Nope. But he says, if I cannot evade these logs, how will I evade this rapier strike? Yeah, and he's like... Which doesn't make sense to me because I feel like maybe a log would be easier to dodge than a rapier. Because otherwise, Three Musketeers would have looked way different. Just like three dudes with logs. <laughs> just trying to hit each other with sticks. Uh, so he says, like, I just can't do it. And then Tranza just appears out of nowhere and says, you're right. You can't do it. Now let me show you where you're going to die. Grabs Ryu and teleports away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the place where he's going to die... It's the quarry. It's, it's the, quarry, the quarry, but oh, there's a twist, and we'll get to that twist it in is. a second. It is, although I really, oh my god, like, I don't know why. Of course it's the quarry, but I saw it, and I was just, like, I was angry. I was angry for a second, because, like, you guys couldn't think of any place else. You couldn't think of any place else more dramatic than the same scene that we see literally every freaking episode of this show. But but I will say, it's been a little while since we've seen the quarry. I do. Okay, I guess, yeah. But come on, man. It can't be like a courtyard and a thing somewhere. It can't be like some awesome cliffside. Like, this is where I mean, you will be. die. They do have a courtyard place that they go. There is that one cliffside that they go to all the time. It could be one of those places. Like, this is where you will die. The place we fight all the time. That place we fight all the time. That's where you're going to die. But, awesome. again, Thank as I said, there is a twist that makes the quarry worth it. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. So, <laughs> so he says, let's have a little match. And, we, and the camera pans out. And Tranza has set up, ahead of time, a barbed wire wrestling ring. Okay, here is the thing. Tranza has teleported them to the quarry so they could have a hardcore barbed wire death match. And he even says, he says, Ryu, let's have a death match. And I want to be clear about something. The barbed wires are electrified. Oh, of course. Of course. What's the point otherwise? So they're in a quarry having an electrified hardcore barbed wire death match and just like, let's go. So this is a thing that has happened in professional wrestling, right? It is. Yes. Okay, I was going to say. I think like, I'm sure Terry Funk did it at some point or like this is probably like a <laughs> terrible idea that like ECW had, I imagine the Necro Butcher was involved. The I'm... Necro Butcher? Dude, you never heard of the Necro Butcher? 
I feel like my response pretty clearly indicates that I have not. Uh, the Necro Butcher was in the movie The Wrestler. I, I never saw that movie. Neither I did I. Really, really but good. I do know that the Necro Butcher is in it. The Necro. Okay, man. that is that is actually the only thing I know about the movie The Wrestler. That's the post. Okay, so I've got post post show research to do. So it is they're they're fighting back and forth, and it is not looking good for you. No, obviously uh, there are there is at least one actual wrestling move. Um, oh, I didn't catch it. Oh yeah, well it's uh, Tranza hits Ryu with an Inziguri. Which is like the bit where he jumps up and kicks, like like the back of his neck. It's it's okay. kind of hard to describe, but it's it's. I a, think I know what you're talking. It's about. one of my favorites. Oh, so we are flashing away from this match, by the way, to the rest of the Jetmen kind of looking around for Ryu. And what's amazing about this is, first of all, I'm pretty sure we've established already that cross changers have some sort of homing device, which they it's not being used. Because they're literally just running around town asking people if they've seen Ryu. Right. Like, like hey, have you asking, seen a tall guy? It's just like asking strangers on the street. Uh, which, guys, just check the quarry. Of co- like, he was, kid- he was kidnapped by a Vyra monster. Just, that's the first place. Why would he be anywhere else? Of course he's there. You have four people, five including the chief, to help look for him. There are... How many places could he be? He could be in the quarry. Right. He could be by the docks. Yep. He could be at the warehouse. Yeah. He could be at that one cliff. Yeah. Um, that might be all. Yeah, so... Just go to those places... He's going to be there. Oh, he could be in the park. Guaranteed. Like, yeah. he will be in one of those places. So, they're, they're trying to find him... Ryu takes a real hard shot. He gets thrown into this electric fence. Uh, his cross changer comes out and explodes. So I don't know why he wasn't cross changed yet, but he now can no longer cross change. That option is closed to him. We flash over to the Viram dimension and we see Radigan. And Radigan is furious. And he says, I won't let you win that easily. And he's got a biodimensional bug in his hand. We don't see what he's about to do with it, but he's well, got it. I feel like we can guess. Well, sorry. We don't know. He doesn't, like, put it on something specific that we see right now, is what I mean. Right. Obviously, yes. We know We know the general shape of his plan. Right. So we cut back to the ring, and Tranza is warming up for that sword technique. Yeah, he's like, getting ready. The kaleidoscope starts to spin. Ryu starts to worry. He's like, how am I going to do it? And then he thinks back to his training. His his five, not even. His like 30 seconds of log training. What? Uh, I just, I don't know how Raita like straight Donkey Kong in it. And like throwing stuff down at like, him. Oh my gosh. But he thinks back to this and he just is like, Ah, yes. And he opens his eyes just as Trans is dropping this sword technique. And he sort of, like, grabs the sword slash, like, shoulder steps into it and manages to dodge this move. Well, okay. He doesn't dodge it. I was going to say, he doesn't dodge. Like, Tranza is shocked because he's like, I can't believe you blocked my sword blow with your body. But he was aiming at his body. For the body! How does this even work? So, like, I guess he, like, managed to control where it hit him. So it was less damaging. But, like, this does not seem like a really great technique. Well, the only thing I can think of is that he does, he gets his hands on the sword. And so this is maybe the thing, is that he has grabbed the sword and managed to hold it back from just cutting him in half, which is sort of what it... They didn't cut him in half before, but that's the idea. And so he manages to do this. He catches the sword, and then explosions. Right, and they both get up, and they look over, and it is, like, Uh, the worst monster yet. It is a complete, like... It's a real throwaway. It's a last-minute reject, like... Okay, I don't know how this show works... I feel like in the beginning of the season, the monster suit makers just make a just bunch of suits nuts. and then they build the show around them. That's probably not what happens, but I feel like if that... Dude, it could be, honestly. If, I mean, those suits take a little while to make. If that were the case, then here is my theory as to how this episode, like, how this scene came together. They said, hey, we need something. What do we still have, like, in the back closet that we haven't blown up yet? And so what and we they get is 
what is it? Torpedo Piranha. Imagine a terrible fish monster that is also a terrible knockoff of the Bi-Beast. Yes, he's got a fish head on top, but then coming out of his torso is another fish head, and that lower fish head shoots missiles out of its mouth. And the missiles have fish heads. Yes. So at least it's on brand. It's real stupid and lame. And so Torpedo Piranha, he launches some torpedoes. The other jetmen show up. Tran Well, is... they show up because when the explosions oh, happen right. from the torpedo, Chief, who was up in a helicopter, says, Aha, there I found him. So the rest of the Jetmen now know where to go, and they all meet up to help. Yeah. So Tran is furious of Transis. Sorry, Trans is furious about this. He bugs out. He's like, I will deal with you later. Like... You just wait till I get home. It's kind of like the vibe that comes off of it, which is kind of weird. Well, because Transit just, like, leaves and goes back to the viral dimension at this point. And, like, as he flies in, he, like, turns into an energy wave and just knocks oh, everyone right. else over. And, and then... And lands in his throne and just starts glaring at them like, You done messed up, Radigan. It's a real power move. It's <laughs> uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, anytime you can go from energy bolting to like reclined and disdainful, that's a real... Yeah. That's really establishing a presence in that space. So they go to fight. They're fighting friggin' Torpedo Piranha. Uh, he's launching torpedoes at them. They're getting exploded. The, the chief pulls Ryu back, and Ryu kind of pops his head out, and he says, shoot him right when he opens his mouth. And they're like, what a great idea. And so they just wait until a torpedo piranha is about to launch another torpedo that is itself a piranha, and then they shoot him in his open mouth, and he dies. Yeah, like they shoot him in the mouth, the torpedoes blow up in his stomach, and he dies. And that's he does it. not get a chance to go big. He doesn't, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even get to like face the beak smasher. Yeah, he just, just gets nothing. shot in the stomach and dies. <laughs> that's it. So, so we go back to the Viram dimension, and Tran, like kind of without even getting up, is taking the other Viram commanders to school. And he's just, yeah, they are on the ground, like, struggling to stand. And he's just like, dudes, I am in charge now. Like, I don't know how this is, like, how you are having difficulty with this. But this is the way this works. And he, this is the best part. Is he, he says, say my name. Yeah. Say my name. And Radicate gets up, he's like, Tran. And he's like, no, no, no. Blast. more lasers. (laughs) Say my name. Name. And you see Redding and he gets up and he's like, he's got like blood squirting out of like his Like a mouth. lot of blood. Lot, an unsettling amount of blood. And he says, Tranza. And Trenza's just like, nope. Blast, 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 blast. One more time, Radigan. What's my name? And he's like, Lord Tranza. And then the episode ends. Yeah. So like... I love Lord Tranza. Yeah. Like, the Emperor Tranza is amazing. So... And that's the end of the episode. That's it. So this is apparently a three-ish parter now? No. Oh, this is just... This is the end of the two-parter, and this is just setting the status quo. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I'm into it. Yeah, Lord Tranza's the best. Um, so, that is the end of the episode, Dave. What is your high point? Uh, my high point has gotta be... Ooh, that's a tough one. I think my high point has got to be, uh, say my name. Like, just like, say my name. Yep. Nope. Duh. No, that's not it. Yep. That's not it. You know what my name is. Say it. And he goes, oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite moment. How about you, man? Dude, there is a lot to pick from. This is um, a real solid episode. Um, can I give you an array? Can I give you all a list of my favorite things? Yeah, I know we don't often do it, but let me give you a list. Do it, do it, because I also had more than one thing. But I yeah, love, let's go. I love when you first... I love the moment when I first realized that Emperor Tranza was the same actor as Jin. That was beautiful face. Like, when I saw that, it's like... It, it just... It made me so happy. <laughs> just like, like to see him like to have him back in my life um the moment where he eats all the noodles love that pettiness and Raita cannot stand cannot stand the noodles um and then finally uh and I think this is my real high point is the inclusion of 
the hardcore barbed wire death match. Because it was just oh, such... Man. It was, oh, it Dude, was this, this episode was not stopped. This might be this might be kind of, this is now sort of near the top of my favorite Jetman episode so far. It's just it's a real, real good episode. Okay, so with that in mind, do you have a low point this week? Gosh, man. Um I can't think of one. This whole this is a really solid episode. You know, I have something that's almost a low point, but I kind of love how terrible it is. Shoot. Because my low point would be Torpedo Piranha. But I kind of love that Radigate was like, oh no, no. Like, I'm not gonna let Tranza win this easily. Torpedo. His, his only plan was to throw the worst monster at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that is it for us, yeah? Yeah. That is going to do it for another episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. Yep. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, remember you can at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you're interested in what we're talking about on Twitter or want to get any updates on future episodes, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, Please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, and subscribe on there. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, wherever There's pod- all sorts of places that, uh, that you can get a hold of us. I'm pretty sure we're on Stitcher. We are. We're definitely on Stitcher. There are maybe other options. There are. I'm sure. I don't know. Wherever you do it. And if, <laughs> in fact, if, if, you, if you listen to the show and you get it in a place other than the places that we normally mention, uh, let me know, because I'm curious... As to how exactly that would work. Hmm. Anyway, the super but thanks si- a lot. Yeah, thank you for listening, no matter where you come from, <laughs> both online and in the world. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Over Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm I- Matt. Did you just say I'm I Matt? I did. I did. Sorry. I I'm know- Matt. I don't know why. I've been Matt for 31 years. Don't I've, take that away from I'm me. I'm saying, because in my head sometimes I'm saying it along with you. <laughs> and I'm like waiting for my part. So sorry. Anyway, I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. <laughs>